0: Welcome to part two of Climbing the Pocket Quick Shots. All right, and we are back once again here with another quick shot on the Climbing the Pocket Network. And here I have two of the, uh, I guess, the, the most tape savvy, the, uh, the the scouting contingent of the Climbing the Pocket Network has joined me today. Because we're going to talk about something that uh, you got to put on the tape to really understand what's going on. We're going to get in the trenches. We're going to talk about the O-line
1: transition quickly and kind of go over a couple of the later additions that we had, right? So there's Blake Brandell from Oregon State, there's Brady Aiello from Oregon, and there's uh, Kyle Hinton who went to Washburn. Uh, Brandell, obviously we drafted it as well as Hinton, and then Aiello was an undrafted free agent, but he's probably the best of the undrafted free agent linemen that we signed. Um, So Brandell, you kind of talked about him a little bit, but i agree he has issues with speed um, the the main tape that i watched was ohio state 2018 i also watched oklahoma 2019 but ohio state 2018 is a great game to watch for him because he's going against nick bosa the whole game right and you're not going to get a better nfl test than nick bosa in college because he was one of the most nfl ready pass rushers we've seen in i like ever really um so I, I one of the things I kept noticing is that Boso would win with his hands immediately, and in in some cases, I thought his hands were late, but really, I think brandell's problem is he's kind of he kind of has short arms, so it seems like he's late to punches he's he's not winning with length, and that's a problem for tackle. I imagine we'll move him inside to guard i don't think it's that much of a problem against Bose. Constantly got killed, half man. If he could square up on Bosa and get both hands on him and get him in front of him, he was fine. But if Bosa was able to cut that in half, he he dominated him. So I think he'll still struggle with quicker interior defenders, which is something the Vikings have struggled with a lot. That concerns me a little bit. But technically, Brandel's like all there right now. He was a four-year starter, um and his footwork's great. I think his hand usage, once he actually gets his hands on somebody, is great. I think he's able to find targets on the second level. He's able to block the screens. Now, compared to Cleveland, Brandell looks like he's, like, pulling a truck or something when he's running out in front of plays. Like, he's he's so slow. But um, I I think he's got some good technical work. He just doesn't necessarily have the athleticism
0: that we might be looking for in our scheme. It's funny that you do mention that because, um, you know, on, uh, on, on Twitter actually had mentioned that, uh brandell his relative athleticism score that uh that math bond does uh on on and posts on twitter actually turned out to be fairly decent when you compared kind of all of his metrics yeah speed isn't his you know isn't his big thing but um as an overall athlete he seemed to to, to score pretty well there and um I guess had a bit more quickness than we would have expected when his pro day numbers did come out.
1: Well, actually looking at his pro day numbers, his jumps were almost as good as Cleveland's, but I, his three cone and his short show weren't, weren't there. I mean, Cleveland was like out of this world as an athlete, but the, the other ones just weren't there for him. And, and he doesn't look like that great of an athlete on tape either.
0: All right. So it doesn't translate. So you mentioned a couple guys there, uh, Tyler. I guess you can just t- take the next one on the list here, because we we kind of went with the uh, the the quantity over quality, perhaps as we went through later on, and, and and you know just bringing bodies in to get some competition going, maybe to help address things across the interior. I guess uh, can you tell me about you know some of the other guys that we we drafted, and, and uh, I guess we can just go back and forth between the two of you here to uh, to get through all of the picks that were made to to try to address the uh, the offensive line. Absolutely,
2: and, and I'll follow up with uh, Matt's really good analysis of uh, Brandell. One of the things that really jumped out to me is, you know, he wasn't the best athlete, but when he got into space, he moved very well. And I think that's one of the things that the Vikings uh, prioritized. Plus, because he played left tackle and he's going to have that guard flexibility, you're going to have a guy who, who's a four-year starter in the Pac-12 who's going to be able to move around and be kind of a utility lineman. And when, you, when you're looking at a guy in the sixth round, you're not looking for a day-one starter. You're looking for a guy who can project to be a swing tackle, to be a, a utility guy. Who can play all these positions and maybe someday be a starter? I think he would be a capable guy in a couple of years with some good coaching. Uh, and I think a lot of it has to do with technique. Matt said, hey, the second he got his hands on both sides, he was fine, but he was getting his hands on both of those issue. You can clean some of that up uh, at the next level. I don't think it's going to be perfect, but he could be serviceable. And one guy, that, as uh, Matt mentioned, that also I think could be really serviceable is Kyle Hinton. Washburn kid. He's only six two two ninety five, 295, but the limited tape that we were able to find on YouTube was just highlight films of the offense. And the first thing that jumped out to me is this guy can move. He's, he's only 295, and he was moving incredibly well. Kind of reminded me, um, like a translatable thing, Garrett Bradbury in that sense. Uh, he's very quick. Uh, he's he's very muscular at the upper body. He's not going to have too many uh, too much leverage issues because he is a little bit shorter and stocky. Uh, but one of the tough parts about translating a guy from Division Two watch from the National Football League, he wasn't tested. Like, uh, who is he going to go up playing teams like Nebraska Kearney? So when he gets uh, into camp and he's going against uh, guys like Michael Pierce, Neil Hunter, that uh, he's he's going to really it's, we're going to really understand who this guy is. And because we took him at the back end of the seventh round, I want to take dart throws on athletes who you can project to the next level. And because we've had success with Brian O'Neal and uh, potential success with Garrett Bradbury here, uh, this is the kind of dart throw I want to make. And I think we can trust the Vikings to be able to get something out of him. What is that something? I don't know. But he's got an athletic profile that has me really intrigued for his future.
1: Yeah, so with Hinton, um, I think... You, the athleticism is very clearly there on tape. And, you know, he's playing against smaller competition. He's kind of dominating everybody he goes up against. But there's not really a whole lot of projectable reps that he has on the tape to what you'll see in the NFL, right? The players across from him just aren't NFL athletes. And I'm just going to transition here real quick to Bertie Aiello. And something we talked about with Hint uh, – sorry, not with Hint with Brandell is the versatility um, and if you want versatile, Brady Aiello is your guy because he played left tackle 12 games, right tackle 12 or 13 games, and and right guard as well at Oregon. He was kind of their sixth offensive lineman there. Um, so it's kind of interesting watching him because he's not starting a whole lot of games, but he's stepping in when they're, they're very talented. Other offensive linemen are injured. Um, so one of the games I saw from him was Utah 2019, and I think – uh, one of the things that shows up from Aiello that doesn't show up with Hinton and uh, Cleveland as much on their tape or Brandel is the finishing ability so like one of the thing, I mean it's it's more of an attitude thing than it is a technical thing but Brady Aiello finishes blocks he gets down he gets nasty which is something you like to see in terms of attitude from an offensive lineman but I think also, he was a redshirt senior. He's technically there when you watch him on tape. He kind of still has some athletic limitations like Brandel does, but he he's there with the footwork and the, and the handwork to beat pass rushers. Um, another game I saw was Michigan State 2018, where he was going up against Kenny Willick. He's obviously a, a Vikings draft pick, right? Um, and... I think he did pretty well. He held his own against Willoughkees there. And that's something I look for as well when I'm watching college players, when they have matchups with NFL caliber athletes, because that's a lot more projectable than if they're playing, you know, somebody who who's going to a D2 school, who's, who's not going to get to the next level.
0: All right. So, uh, so Tyler, bring us home here. Uh, any of the other linemen, I guess, that, you know, have come in as UDFAs. Drew Samia has come up a lot of the time. Is there anyone else that is of note who didn't play a lot of snaps for the Vikings last year who we can see potentially being a contributor on the offensive line as we go into 2020 and a contributor that we would, I guess, be happy to see on the field in 2020? I think you got to talk about Ole Udo, uh, sixth round pick last year,
2: that he's a big boy and he can move and he's very athletic. I think at the next level in the National Football League, he's probably going to be best as a guard because he's so big. Like I've been watching a lot of Daniel Falele, uh, the Golden Gophers offensive tackle. He's sticks 400-pound, and the guy's a mauler, but he can't really move. Now, is not that big. I believe he's about 370, if I'm not mistaken, and he's a, he moves a little bit better. But when you're a guard, even in this scheme, you're not going to be asked to move as much as a tackle. And it, if he can clean up some uh, leverage issues and gets his hands on guys, I think he could be really successful. Obviously, we're talking to Samia. He's a fourth round pick. There was talk last year he could go in the second round and he split all the way to uh, the early in the, in the fourth. So uh, those are two guys that are probably going to be battling out for that uh, right guard spot. Plus, obviously, Collins is still there and the Vikings still really like him as uh, an athletic or guard slash tackle prospect. We'll see if any of them can develop and really take over in training camp. Uh, But it would be really nice to see Josh Klein come back as well because he's not great, but he's a steady hand. And when you're playing next to Brian O'Neill, a steady hand is
0: really, really valuable. Yeah, Matt, so uh, bring us home here because really the million-dollar question, there's been a ton of resources thrown at this, though fans would typically tell you that, you know, we didn't draft Will Hernandez, so we've never tried to address the offensive line. Um, Is the offensive line going to be better in 2020 than the last two years? Because uh, our boy Matt Collar put out a piece looking ahead at the Vikings. and It was a pretty optimistic piece, but one of the things he did note is that, you know, even though we talked about the play action and and different things that were able to free Kirk up and and have him make uh, some of those bigger plays, his pressure rate from season to season was pretty much the same. And his sack rate from season to season pretty much the same. We know some of that is on the quarterback and you know Kirk's issues with with pocket presence, but he was under duress a lot in both of the years that he's been here. So is this the year that the Vikings offensive line climbs from, you know, the lower third of the league and gets somewhere closer to average?
1: Um, so, I wouldn't say that I'm optimistic that, that the offensive line is going to gel right away. Um, I think with what we're projecting, you're going to see a little bit of a learning curve for, for the group. Because if we start Ezra at left tackle and then we move Riley Reef into guard, we have Bradbury at center, but we would have a new right guard, Drew Samia and then we'd have right tackle Brian O'Neill, So you have three kind of players at new positions there, and that takes a little bit of time to gel. But I think ultimately that that group can become better than the group that we put forth last year. And I think the big reason is because you're getting Pat Alfine off the field. Um, Pat Alpine, I unfortunately, because I I love the Pat Alfine pick back when we, meet, we made it, but it just hasn't worked out for him at the NFL level. Um, And I think another thing you would look for in year two is improvement from Garrett Bradbury, particularly as a pass blocker, because he struggled quite a bit um, in in spurts last year, right? So there were flashes of excellence and then there were uh, some stretches where he struggled. Uh, But overall, I think if you put those five together, by the end of the year, you'll have a better product than what we were putting out on the field last year. So yes, I think we would, overall improve our offensive line
0: all right tyler same question to you is the offensive line improved are we out of the bottom third of the league uh, when it comes to pass protection which is really the thing that i'm concerned about uh you know run blocking kubiak's scheme. we've seen that you know that is going to do what it does and and players are are going to be able to to create creases for dalvin and we don't got to create a lot of space for dalvin to do to do his thing in pass blocking though uh, are we going to get out of the bottom third of the league in 2020?
2: I believe so. And I think uh, one thing that we need to think about is continuity, obviously Matt touched on the fact that you're going to have guys likely at different positions and the, the only guys probably going to be in their starting positions from last year to this year are going to be Bradbury and O'Neal. But when you talk about continuity, it's going to be the second year in the system, the second year with Rick Dennison and really building upon the things that he was teaching last year, and really focusing in on that technique. And when when you have continuity, it makes a really big difference long-term. And I, I remember hearing about the West Coast offense and about quarterbacks learning it, specifically when the West Coast offense was introduced to Michael Vick. Like, year one, there's going to be a lot of struggles. Year two, there's going to be struggles, but you're going to see a lot of improvement. And year three, it's all going to click. Now, offensive line, I think it's going to be a little quicker than the, than the progress of a West Coast offense. But the fact that it's going to be year two, same system, same voices in the room outside of Stefanski. I mean, you're still going to have Denison, Kubiak, Kubiak, on Clint. Those voices and the the way that they want their technique and their offensive linemen is going to make a big difference. And I think you're going to see improvement. I think we're going to be an average offensive lineman. And I'm really excited to see somebody say Rick doesn't throw resources at the line because they're wrong. And you can come at me for that one. Say it again, say it again. Rick spends resources on the offensive line. Look, if you don't like it, Fine. you can criticize what he does but do not criticize him for not trying he's drafted an offensive lineman in the first second third and fourth round of the last two years and he spent money for three years. you can't blame him for not trying
0: boom and that is it that is all gentlemen as always thanks for making time listeners viewers thanks for checking with us thanks for being here and uh yeah we'll be back talking to you soon have a good one thank you for watching or listening as always if you like subscribe Ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody.